James chapter 1, James chapter 1, run through a couple of announcements before we get to James chapter 1. Doing our Bible study series on the books of the Bible, and we're on the book of Zephaniah. And so if you don't know much about the book of Zephaniah, I encourage you to come. And I don't know about you, but I've asked several times, how many of you know a lot about some of these minor prophet books? There haven't been a lot of people that know a whole lot. There's a lot of great, rich material in those books. And so I encourage you, if you're able to, Wednesday night or watch online, that'll be good. And then Saturday evening, we have our movie night here. And we got it's going to be cool. We're going to have a fun time with it. Around 7 o'clock Saturday night, I have a blow-up screen. And so it's going to be fun. It's going to be about it's 14 feet tall. So I'm debating on putting it up on the little overhang out there. And we can all face it. And I've got a um, projector time with it. We'll be watching. Um, I Still Believe is the name of the movie. This morning, my family and the kids, we sang um, The Same Power. Jeremy Camp wrote that song, and he the movie's about his life and his first wife and the cancer that she didn't make it through, And but her life story touched him, touched a lot of people, and that's where the song came from. It's a powerful story. You'll enjoy the movie. So we'll be here next Saturday evening, 7 p.m., out in the yard, you can, we'll have a good time together. I'm going to have a kid movie available, too, for the kids, because they probably won't make it through all of that. So the adults will all be facing out this way. The kids will be over by the this way with something. We'll be in good shape for everybody. So we'll have something for everybody there. And if you just say, I just don't like movies, then stay home and be by yourself. No, I'm just kidding. But I hope you'll come. We'll have a good time together. And uh, it's, I enjoyed the movie. I even, I'll be honest, I actually teared up watching this movie, and I don't tear up, well, maybe once in a while in a Hallmark movie with Caroline. No, I don't. Hallmark movies are so fake. I don't even know why they have that. Why, I don't even know why you spend the time to watch them. Same storyline, just with different people. You know, someone moves out of the big city to, the, to a small city, finds this girl in the small city, they fall in love, and then someone from the big city comes, and then by the end, everyone lives happily ever after. That's every single one. They're all the same, and they just do different themes. It could be Christmas time. It could be harvest time, and they just do that. It's, you know, it's kind of like pumpkin spice lattes and things. Who needs that stuff? I don't know. I have uh, my mom, yeah, because my mom, and then because my wife, I've seen a few of them, but what we do is we balance it out. I will watch a Hallmark movie or a chick flick, if you want to call it that, but then she's got to watch an Avengers movie or something like that with me, or a football game or a basketball game. So we balance it out there, and for every one Hallmark movie, I can get her to watch about five or ten of what I like, so it works out good. Just keep it a little bit there every once in a while, but man, I don't know. I pray for my dad often. He, he watches like several of them every day now with my mom, it's like, Dad, don't be doing this to yourself. I... I don't know what's happened to my dad, and I'll be there someday as well, I'm sure. So um, anyway, so movie night next Saturday night. We'll have a good time with that. Our Christian school is supposed to be opening up September 1st. Be in prayer for that, 8.30 in the morning. And if the government doesn't like it, it's called a learning pod. Learning pod, that's what it'll be called, and so it will make it work and be in good shape. But no, learning pod still has tuition like Christian school does. It still fits underneath that same thing. And so, and then... Two weeks from tonight, um, we normally, Labor Day weekend, we normally go to the beach, and we take the bus and have a good time, all of us together. We're still going to go to the beach. We're going to have someone save us a spot, but I think we're going to drive separately, those who want to go, so there won't be an evening service in two weeks, but we get together at the beach, have some fun together, some good Christian fellowship, 
And I believe that's important. Christian fellowship is very important, and don't lose sight of that. I know we live in a day and age with social distance and all of that, and you can sit a few feet away and you can still fellowship. Fellowship is part of the Christian life. God designed it. God designed humans to interact with one another. I don't think, and you know, I hear people often, if Jesus were here, he wouldn't hold church. I've heard people say that. No, Jesus just went and touched a leper, didn't he? Yeah, but we won't get into all of that tonight, will we? Say, would you go touch a leper, pastor? Probably not. I'm not Jesus. He, he could heal them. And uh, I don't know, you know, anyways. And then the following Sunday, September 13th, is our church's 50th anniversary. And uh, we were planning a big old special day, a lot of fun things. And uh, we're, we're going to scale it back a little bit. We're going to have one big service Sunday morning. And we're going to have a food truck come and have food. We'll have, a, well, if Lori gets that figured out for me. Have you been working on that yet? Are you lying in the house of God tonight? Are you partial? Are you fibbing? You looked into it. So literally, she picked up her phone and looked at it. Yep, looked into it. And so you got, with Lori, you got to like dive in deep to get the deep details because she'll just float on the surface there. And it's still called, still called lying, however you look at it, in God's eyes. So anyways, leave that there. But we'll have a good time on our anniversary together, and we're still figuring all of that out. Um, is the microphone working? Sounds like it's cutting, or is that just me where it feels like it's cutting in and out? So, okay. Because, uh, and I don't even need the microphone. It's not about you having me on the mic. It's about online for them on there. And so, you know, this morning, that, you know what the problem was this morning, Ryan? When we went to sing with the kids, I thought I flipped the mic on. I flipped it off. I was opposite. I was backwards this morning. So I was a little messed up for some reason with all that. So. I get texts from people, your mic's not on. And Sandy, if she's watching tonight, Sandy sends me a text, I can't hear you. You can't hear me when the mic is on with those ears that you got. Remember that, Sandy. And uh, I can still tease you through a camera just like I can any other time. I just hope she's watching tonight so she knows that I was picking on her a little bit. Because I know she's feeling lonely not having me pick on her. She's not here to pick on. So you've got to have got to pick on her. James chapter number one, we've been in the book of James talking about spiritually being fit, and we talk about the need for being physically fit, and I'm a firm believer in that, and I try. Vacation last week didn't help that a whole lot, but, you know, it is what it is, and uh, you only go on vacation every once in a while, right? And so, but being look around us, we see this going on around us with churches, and we call it persecution. It's a little light affliction. It's not much at the moment. But I think we're going to see real Christians stick to it, and people not so much not stick to it. I think we're going to see that around us. And that saddens me. Every Christian right now should be standing up for the truth of God and standing firm and standing strong the best that they can. I know certain people with health and different issues, you shouldn't be in crowd. You shouldn't be with people. I understand those things. You've got to do what's best for you in those areas, and I would never try to guilt someone. But when we live our lives and do a lot of other things, you can come to church. Just like voting, they say you can't vote, but you can go stand in line at Walmart or Stater Brothers. You can stand in line at Stater Brothers, you can vote. But you're not touching it. Do you realize, isn't it funny, everyone touches those ATM machines. Right, the little boxes, and everyone touches those little keys. 
Or you go into certain places where they have plastic over it. But the plastic that's over it, everyone still touches the plastic. It doesn't solve the problem. It's still there. And so this is the thing. You touch all that stuff. Don't touch your nose. Don't touch your face. Wash your hands. It's amazing that we're having to teach people all over again in 2020 the importance of not touching your face and washing your hands. You'd think that moms would have taught their kids that years ago. The Bible talks about the importance of being clean, right? Then we read this morning how in the temple there, Nehemiah cleansed it. Yeah, anyways, James chapter number 1. We'll look down at verse number 19 tonight and finish up the chapter here. Practical Christian living would be the theme of this book of the Bible, but I think as we talk about being spiritually fit and as we got into the series, we talked about eyeing our flesh as we began. We talked about the importance of the Word of God. The Word of God is vital. Your relationship to the Word of God is really key to being spiritually fit. It does not work any other way. Just like being physically fit, you would say you probably got to be careful what you eat. You got to exercise some. Well, being spiritually fit, if the Bible's not a part of your routine, you're never going to be spiritually fit because the Bible is key. That's God's book. It's his instruction book for life. We need it. We need to be in it. And we've read several things about God's word. Continue on that tonight. James 1, verse number 19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. It's empty. What is pure religion? It's got nothing to do with our traditions. It's got nothing to do with the Baptist name. Pure religion undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widow their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. That's pure religion right there. I want to take a few minutes tonight and look at listening and living through the Word of God. Father, I pray you'd bless the next few minutes that we have tonight. I thank you for you being God, and I thank you for you being in control of everything around us. I pray tonight as we look and as we dive into these verses that you do a work in our hearts. Help us in this area of being spiritually fit and help us to grow in our walk with you and just help us. We need you. We love you. We praise your precious name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. A couple weeks ago we looked at and started looking at how trials and how trials have their place in our life and how God uses those to grow us and how there's good that comes from them. And then we looked at last week 
We looked at how in this passage of Scripture, we looked at temptation. And trials and temptations are two totally different things. And we are drawn away of our own lusts and enticed. And we get to this passage, and we look at these verses, and we live in a culture today that wants to be heard. Everybody wants to be heard, be it on social media, be it anywhere. Protesters, what do they want? They want to be heard. We look right here, and the Bible says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. The culture that we live in wants to be heard, but if you don't agree with them and what they think, they get angry, correct? I think that's a true thing to say. What does the Bible tell us here? Let every man be swift to speak, no? Swift to text. Swift to post. Swift to call someone else. No, 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 no. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, wait to speak or post, even though you want to be heard. Practice self-control. Hey, Christian, be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. How many times? Last night, I texted Johnny. I mentioned the place he goes to school in North Valley Baptist Church up there. I got a text from a pastor. It's going crazy all over in this text. And he's like, the world's ending. And if Pastor Trever shows up at church there tomorrow, they're going to arrest him on the spot. I'm like, really? So I said, all right. So I texted Brother Trever. And I texted Johnny, because Johnny is, you know, he's a college student there. He knows all the gossip. He gets in on all those lines of things and all of that. And come to find out that none of that was even part of what was said. But how often do we hear a little something? We're like, oh, and we just post it, we share it, and then come to find out later, oh, that wasn't part of what was said. We need to listen be slow to speak. I actually like Facebook and other social media platforms for one good reason. The other day, someone posted the stupidest thing I think they could have ever posted. And I decided to comment. I typed out a long comment, and it was good. But by the time I got done getting with my comment, I started thinking, that's not very Christian. And it's not going to do any good. They're still going to do what they want to do. So I erase the comment before I click post. I actually like that because with post, at least you can erase it before you actually send it. You just say something out loud and it's out there and you cannot take it back. There's many times that I've written a letter to someone, just ticked off at them. And I just stick it in my drawer. To me about... And then, you know, and the Pride and Brian 
dare you? But I write a letter. It feels good to write the letter. Stick it in the drawer. Don't send it right away. And I just think a little bit. Start thinking about probably what they're going through in their life. And this letter is not going to help anybody. And I get to the, I love having a shredder. I take the letter to the shredder and it's gone. You say, Pastor, are there any letters in your desk right now? Don't you go near my desk and go searching. No, there's none there right now. But there's a great lesson there. You realize that God gave each of us two ears and only one mouth? That's for a reason. We need to do way more listening. We need to hear. We need to be slow to speak, slow to anger. But we need to be quick to listen. We as Christians are backwards in this thing. We're fast to speak. We're fast to get angry about something. Be quick to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. Wait to speak. Riposte. Give to Bible tells us, at verse number 20, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Say, well, I'm mad, it's a righteous anger. Is it really? We, we are so fast to say, I'm mad for the sake of the Lord. And most of the time, you're not mad for the sake of the Lord. You're mad because so-and-so hurt your feelings. We get mad, and, we get, and let me just say, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Like Nehemiah this morning, he was upset with the people for what they did against God. That's righteous anger. That is biblical. But if Nehemiah got mad because they hurt him, it's about self. For us to see here, we're supposed to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. Think about apart from the word of God, how would we get saved? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing from the word of God, correct? The word of God is key. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 1, Verse, 22, verse 23 and 25, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. Being born again, why? How? By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And then verse 25 says, but the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the gospel which is preached unto you. And you think about it, the word of God is so key to every part of the Christian life. Without the word of God, there's no salvation. How would you know that there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved if it wasn't for the word of God? How would you know that there's none righteous, no, not one? How would you know the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life? How would you know for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved? You need the word of God. The word of God is key. And I want to remind you of the fact that salvation comes. Through, our, through the Word of God. But may I remind you of something? Not only do you need the Word of God to get saved, you need the Word of God throughout your entire Christian life. It's not just able to save your soul. 
faithful to change you and grow you and help you become what God would have you become. If we look at these verses tonight, I want you to understand something, that the Word of God is so important. If you don't have the Word of God as a part of your life, you are not going anywhere, Christian. The Word of God is vital. Not only was it vital for your salvation, but it's vital for your spiritual growth. You know, some people, they look at and vitamins, they think vitamins are essential and you know, some people have their essential oils. You got all these essential things, right? We hear essential, 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 essential. Eat your vegetables. It's essential, blah, 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 essential. Well, to me, meat's essential. That's a good one. Bacon is an essential. Dr. Pepper for a long time has been an essential. And, uh, you know, you look at all these different things. But in the Christian life, the Word of God's essential. You can't. Christian, let me ask you tonight. We're going to die in just a moment. How's your relationship with the Word of God? Do you read it during the week? Do you meditate upon it? Do you spend time in it? It's important. But not only, Christian, are you supposed to be a hearer of it. You're supposed to do it. Go with me. Hold your place here and go to Matthew chapter number 7. Matthew chapter number 7. Hold your place here because we'll be back here in just a minute. Go to Matthew chapter number 7. What type of life do you want to build? Matthew 7 verse 24, the Bible says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which builded his house upon the sand. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended his sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. What type of life do you want to build? This last week, we were on vacation for a few days, and we were by the beach. I love the waves to watch them. The water's freezing, water's okay. I hate sand. I hate sand. How many of you agree with me? You just don't like sand. I hate sand. I'd be fine if, if beach had grass all the way to the ocean. It'd be fine with me. If there was blacktop, I'd be fine with it. What matter to me? Just have blacktop all the way there. Mud, no, that's too much. But sand, it's just awful. You can barely walk. But the Bible says here, that whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and when you do them, you're like a wise man that builds his house on a rock. Because when the tough times come, the storms come, the wind blows, and it's going to, your house is going to stand firm because it's built on the rock. 
But those who hear my word, but don't do them, are like the foolish who build their house upon the sand. And when you build your house on the sand, it's not going to last in the storms that come. Christian, the word of God is so important to our spiritual lives. If we go back to our text, we continue on here. It says in verse number 22, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continuing therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Be a doer of the word. Don't only hear it, be a doer. Don't deceive yourself, the Bible says here. There was a young pastor who started pastoring a church, and his first sermon he preached in that church, the people loved it. They received it well, and they were appreciative. They shook his hand at the door after the service, and the next Sunday, the, the young man got back into the pulpit, and he preached the same exact message again. The following week, he preached the same exact message. For five straight weeks, he preached the same message. And I would hope you would notice he preached the same message five weeks in a row, but I don't know. Finally, the deacon board came to him and asked him a question. They're like, why do you keep preaching the same message? And his response was, well, once you put into practice the first message I preached, I'll move on to something else. Got to understand something. Are you a hearer? Are you a doer? Do you do it? You cannot tell me that you read your Bible during the day and that God doesn't tell you to do something. Do you do it? If you hear the Word of God preach, God speaks through preaching. I'm a firm believer in that. Many decisions in my life were made under preaching. Do you do what God tells you to do, or do you just hear it and forget about it and deceive yourself? I'll give you a few points. Number one, we talk about being a doer of the Word. We must have a willing spirit. We must have a willing spirit. The Bible tells us later on in the book of James, James 4, 17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So let me ask you a question tonight. God works on your heart and tells you something you need to be doing, and you don't do it. Is that sin? God might not even put it on someone else's heart to do what he lays on your heart to do. But if you don't do what God tells you to do, it's sin. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. We must have a willing spirit. Number two, knowing and doing is not the same 
Knowing and doing is not the same thing. How many times, and it's amazing to me, it's amazing to me. Let me first off, before I make the statement, make sure you understand something, I'll be the first one to admit I don't know everything there is about the Bible, and I am not the greatest Christian that's ever lived. I'm far from it. There's probably a lot better Christians sitting in the room here tonight than me. But how many times have people come to sit in my office, and I'm not talking about college pastor or whatever, They'll come to my office and they'll be like, Pastor, I need help in this area. And they'll sit in my office for 45 minutes to an hour, quoting me all the scripture of all the things that they know they're supposed to be doing. But they're not doing it. Knowing and doing is not the same thing. A lot of people... A lot of Christians have some head knowledge when it comes to the Word of God. But if you don't take the Word of God and apply it and do it, you're missing the whole point. If you notice in my preaching, and my preaching, it's evolved a lot in 10 years. I don't even know, you know, I'm thinking in the room right now, Edna, John, and Debbie, I don't even know how you put up with some of those first sermons. I think back on them, and I don't know how I put. Up, I don't know how Caroline put up with them. You know, a while back she's like, "Man, you're getting you're getting good. You're getting better at this thing." I'm like, "Thanks. What was it like before?" Well, I don't know. I don't. I don't even want to go back. I should sometime let you all listen to the very first message I preached at Caroline's home church right out of Bible college. The worst thing ever. Eleven minutes long. I prepared months for that sermon. I preached on limiting God. And I also preached everything I knew in the Bible, and it only took 11 minutes. I thought to myself, how in the world am I going to get any further? And all this? And, but I'll tell you something. And what, think about this with me tonight. And where was I going with that? I was going, let's see, I'm trying to think, where was I going? I totally, my preaching and my own personal life, like, remember this morning we finished the book of Nehemiah? I gave you 10 lessons that I learned for myself, saying some application for the book for myself. Most messages as I preach, there's application at the end because knowledge without application doesn't help you. Knowledge is good and you need knowledge, but knowledge without application does not get you where you need to be. It's like looking in the mirror in the morning. Be honest, how many of you looked in the mirror at least once a day? How many of you looked several times this morning in the mirror? Well, I don't get this face to look this good without looking in the mirror a few times every day. And um, why do you look in a mirror? What's the purpose of looking in a mirror? I do have a few whiskers, right? I had someone tell me this morning, Pastor, your face looks dirty. Well, thanks a lot. Pastor, are you trying to grow something on your face? Okay, maybe I am. And people last week tell me, your fa- you have such a baby face. I hear that often. Then I try to grow a little facial hair, and then I get bugged the other way. And then I had someone tell me tonight I look like uh, some guy. And uh, anyways, we won't get into all that. But what's the point of then looking into a mirror? We look. You know, we, had, we ate lunch today with the McKees. Um, Matthew had to use the restroom. There was a mirror in there. I looked in the mirror to make sure that there wasn't any barbecue sauce on my face. 
cocktails. How many times has there been barbecue sauce or something on my face after I've been done? You look in a mirror to see if everything's all right. Some of you spend way too much time in front of the mirror. And some of you should spend more time in front of the mirror. But we won't say who that is, and we'll leave that alone right there. But what's the point of looking in a mirror? You're seeing what needs to be fixed, right? So you can fix it. So let's say I look in the mirror and I have a big old dab of barbecue sauce right there on the side. I'm like, eh, whatever. The dab, that defeated the whole purpose of the mirror, right? The mirror pointed out the, and the mirror magnifies it. So you're like, whoa, there's something wrong. There's barbecue sauce on my face. Or there's something stuck in my teeth. I got to fix this. That's what the mirror's there for. The Word of God magnifies and lets you know what is wrong in your life and what needs to be And you look in the Word of God and it shows you, whoa, there's some things that are not quite right. I'm not the person I thought I was. I thought I was doing so good. But there's barbecue sauce on my face. What happens? The Word of God. I'm not quite where I should be. Think about this, number three. Being a doer of the Word makes resisting temptation much easier. why the Bible tells us, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. The word of God just magnifies things for us, shows us who we truly are. You know, I think that's why some people don't like being in the word of God. They don't like seeing who they truly are. But this is the problem. When the word of God shows you who you truly are, and you don't do anything with it, you're just being a hypocrite and deceiving your own self. Do it. The Bible tells us here, look at verse 25. It says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. What's the perfect law of liberty? Anybody know? We look at the perfect law of liberty and continuing therein. What would the perfect law of liberty be? The Word of God, Jesus. I think that's when you continue therein. You're not being a forgetful hearer. You're doing it, and God will bless you as you continue to stay in it. It's very important. You think about it. If someone is just a hearer only of the word, hearers are characterized by self-deception, forgetfulness, and hypocrisy. Where a doer is characterized by perseverance, action. You want to be blessed in the Christian life? How many of you want to be blessed? I think everybody would agree with that. Then what are you doing with the Word of God? Hey, doesn't that sound like something that was said in the Old Testament? This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. The end of that verse, then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. 
Psalm 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And that person, he's going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in its season. His leaves also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Wow, that's a principle from Old Testament to New Testament. You stick in the book, you'll be a doer, and you continue in it, you can be blessed. Hearing plus obedience equals blessing. I'll repeat that. Hearing plus obedience equals blessing. You know what could change the life of most of us here tonight? If we would just do what God tells us to do. Just do it. It's a Nike symbol, right? That's the Nike thing. Just do it. In the Christian life, just do what God says. You hear it, now do it. sounds so simple, doesn't it? If it was simple, everybody would do it. Christian, may I encourage you tonight to be in the book. And as that book reveals who you truly are, which it will, do what it says. Follow the Lord and be blessed. So often we'll hear different people, and uh, thanks, Belinda, for just slamming, for opening that door wide up. I was wondering what was going on over there. Thanks for joining us for the last two minutes of the service. It's great to have you. And uh, she was outside with the kids at VBS. Son just giving me a hard time. But two minutes of church all day is better than none, right? Two minutes is better than none. Amen. Yep. And uh, thanks for making me lose my train of thought, Belinda. I like to blame people, but it's just me. I just lose my train of thought pretty easy. That's why I have in my notes certain things highlighted so when I lose my train of thought, I can get back to it. And why I just said what I did was so my mind could backtrack to where I need to be, but that didn't even work. So I don't even remember what I was saying before that. Um, it'd be nice if we'd go back on video to where I was before, and then that would help me just know right what I said and then see everyone else come in as we're supposed to be finishing here. And... Um, <laughs> hearing and doing, I know. Oh, you hear, ah, uh, thank you, Russ. You were mumbling, and I don't even know what you said, but you brought it back to me, so that's good. You hear, you're awake tonight. Great job, Russ. Often you'll hear TV preachers. God wants to bless you. He wants you blessed. How many of you have ever heard that? Hear it a lot. Prosperity gospel is what a lot of that is. Well, you do you want to be blessed? Be in the word of God and do what he tells you to do. And you can be blessed. That's how to get blessed. We look and we're going to close and we're out of time. But I just want you to see these last couple verses. The Bible tells us, If any man among you seem to be religious... And bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is vain. 
pure religion undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted in the world. See, there are a lot of people that claim to be religious, but their actions don't back up what they say they are. Why? Because they might be a hearer, but they're not a doer. What real religion has to do with is not about the words that fly out of your mouth. It's not about parting your hair just right, having the perfect taper on your haircut. It's not about having all the traditions of all the other church fathers and having all the standards and convictions of all of them. What is real religion? To do what God's told you to do. To visit the widows. To visit the fatherless. And to not let this world spot you up. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. True religion, are you ready? Not only hears the word, but does it. The big problem with religion, you hear people say this all the time, religion is full of hypocrites. And at times we're all hypocrites. Let's be honest with ourselves tonight. The big problem is, when we look at all, the problem is this. We've got some knowledge, but we don't do what we're supposed to do. It's like political leaders around us. You realize in the state of California that all um, state workers are supposed to get a 10% pay cut? That included the governor he said he was going to. Word came out two days ago he didn't do it, even though he said he would. That's hypocrisy, right? And so, good, we can point out that Newsom was a hypocrite in an area, but then what areas in our life do we pretend like we know the stuff and yet we don't live it? We're religion vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God do the things that God's called you to do. To visit the widows. To visit the fatherless. Isn't that what Jesus did? And to be unspotted from this world. That's what true religion's all about. A lot of Christians have an empty religion because it's all about the knowledge they have and they don't do anything. True religion is this. Knowing and doing. Being spiritually fit is not just having it here but living it out. That's what we need tonight. Father, I thank you for the time we've had in your word. I'm thankful for your faithfulness and for your word. Help us here at our church, here at Victory Baptist, not to just be a church that hears your word, but help us be a church that does your word. Bless your people, bless this week. Help us live for you. Help us do the things you've called us to do. Help us to be doers of the word and help us in our walk with you and help Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. You're dismissed. Have a good night.